Well, hey, everybody. It's great to see you uh, this morning on this beautiful Sunday. When I was in college, there was this older lady that was a student. We called them non-traditional students back then. I don't know, you know, just because as young kids, we would, we'd see an older, older lady. You know, she was probably in her 60s at, at, at the time. And uh, we thought, man, that's, you know, you, know, you just kind of stick out in a college, college uh, classroom or, or that kind of thing. But she was also, she was a really cool older lady, too, that, w- that was there. And so it was always a good experience to see her and to talk with her. But one of the things that she would do is that any time that you asked her how she was doing, she would always smile and say, I'm blessed. And I, I probably didn't do her justice the way that she said it, but she always said it the same way, always had the same pleasant look on her face, but she would say, hey, how are you? I'm blessed. You know, she just had this look on her face where you totally believed her too. I mean, there was no, no question about whether or not that was genuine or she was actually feeling that way. One day, though she had gotten into a pretty bad car accident, and she let, you know, the next time that she showed up on campus, she was in a neck brace. Uh, she was uh, in a leg brace and um, for, for quite a while. But even then, you'd go up to her and you'd say, hey, ha- how are you doing today? How are you feeling? And she'd look at you with the same smile, the same tone of voice, with the same facial expression and say, I'm blessed. And that always, uh, that always stuck, stuck with me, I, obviously, because I'm sharing it with you today, that she would have this genuine, deep felt expression of blessing in her life, that she always felt consistent, consistently, regardless of what circumstance that she found herself in. And that's not normally how the word blessed is used. It was pretty popular a few years ago for people to make social media posts and like post a picture or, or some kind of you know, statement or, or whatever uh, about their life, things that were going on and put hashtag blessed. And maybe some of us have put that on there before, but it's always something that you know, you're pretty proud of maybe or something that you were really grateful for, just wanted to show off a little bit. I've got a great house, I'm blessed. I've got a great job, I'm blessed. My family's healthy. I'm blessed. I live in a great country, hashtag blessed. Cooked a great meal, blessed. On vacation, blessed. In a great relationship, blessed. And while any of those can be decent reasons to feel blessed, one of the natural tendencies or temptations is to equate those things with being blessed in our lives. And I think people have kind of figured that out a little bit, although there are other ways that people do this on social media, because I haven't, haven't seen that happening a whole lot, because I'm not on social media a whole lot either. This has implications for how we view our own lives, though, like the way that we think about blessing, what it is, how we define it, how we feel about whether or not we're blessed in our lives, and how we view other people as well, whether or not we think they're blessed, and we think about them in terms of, oh, man, I wish I had what they had, or I'm glad I'm not like them, you know, things, things like that and how we view other people. And people are often characterized by their access to or pursuit of what is culturally presumed to be a blessed life. There's nothing new about this, however. It's actually a pretty ancient issue, social issue, and Jesus talks about this very directly. And so like Chip mentioned, we're in this sermon series called the Beatitudes. We're gonna talk about these statements that Jesus makes about who is blessed. And this is in Matthew chapter five. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there this morning and and kind of peruse through some of them. We're just gonna talk about one this morning. But it's in Matthew chapter five, verses three through 12. And it's kind of the beginning of Jesus' most famous teaching, his Sermon on the Mount, which you find in Matthew five, six, and seven. And most commonly, these eight statements that Jesus makes about blessing are called the Beatitudes. 
And, and that's kind of a weird word, and it's because it's Latin, and it just means blessedness. That's, that's what it means. But the word blessed in this context, as Jesus is talking about the word that he's using here, means happy, fortunate, or divinely favored. So when we're saying we're blessed, we're talking about happiness, we're talking about we're being fortunate, or that God has divinely favored us in our lives. And so here's the, here's the question I have for you this morning. And really, this is kind of a question that, that's going to that's overarching this entire sermon series. Are you happy? Do you feel blessed? That's kind of rhetorical. You, you don't have to answer right, right now if you don't want to. If we went around the, the, the room this week, you know, we went online on the comments and we said, hey, are you happy? We, we probably find all of us in some category here in some range of happiness. So, so we could throw up, hey, I'm happy, I'm, I'm happy enough, I'm not happy with X, Y, and Z, you know, my, my job, my, my spouse, my kids, you know, the situation in the world, what, whatever it is, I'm happy sometimes or just, just flat out no, like I'm, I'm not happy at all. We, we, run, we run the gamut here and here's what we all have in common. We all want to be the top one. <laughs> I mean, none of us are looking at that and saying, no, actually, I would love to go through life without being happy at all. Like, no, nobody aspires to that. All, all of us want to be happy. We want to have a happiness, and we want to feel as though life is good. I think that's even a brand, right? Isn't it? I think that people wear shirts that say life, life is good. Everyone wants to live blessed lives because everyone wants to be happy. But we don't always pursue happiness in the same way. We don't always pursue happiness in a wise way. And this is what Jesus kind of turns upside down with this teaching of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes stand in defiance, really, of the culture and society that any of us find ourselves in. And that's not just true for us. I mean, it's true for Jesus and his time period. But it's true in any culture, in any society that we might find ourselves in. Jesus is showing us what life is like as citizens in God's kingdom as he's teaching this. He's teaching us the key to the blessed life. He's showing us the key to happiness, and it's often not what we'd expect. The first four Beatitudes deal with God's relationship with us, and then the second four deal with man's relationship with, with each other, how we should interact with our neighbor. It kind of follows a similar um, pattern as the Ten Commandments. They're kind of broken up in that way, although there's ten of those, there's eight of these. But each statement in itself is rich with meaning and rich with purpose in our lives. So we're going to look at each one in turn and unpack them, because if you just read them as a quick list, like here, here's all eight, we don't necessarily understand exactly what Jesus is talking about when he says some of these things, because they're so countercultural. Here's a really important detail, and this is true with anything that we read in Scripture and understand or taught to us by, by Jesus. These are not called the eight beliefs. And the reason why I, I just want to say that, um, step one for any teaching of Jesus is to seek to understand what he's talking about. And, and absolutely, as a disciple of Jesus, we want to follow that and we want to believe it, you know, you know and that's, that's an important thing. But if we only believe it and that's where we stop, we haven't quite taken it as far as Jesus means for us to take it in our life. Belief is meant to change our being, and our being provides evidence for what we believe. And when our belief in God is consistent with who we are becoming in Christ, the end result is blessing. So when Jesus is teaching this, he's not just saying, oh, we should, we should kind of believe this is true. It's also about who, who we're becoming. It's also about our character and what we understand about who God calls us to be. So the Beatitudes establish this time-honored truth consistent with God's relationship with man. God wants the best for us. 
And inasmuch as we might say God wants us to be happy, our thoughts on what that looks like are often far from what God's thoughts are that, that look like this, that, that look like happiness. And what Jesus has to say are often in direct conflict depending on what our influences are and how we define happiness. How we define blessing defines who we believe receives God's favor. And that changes who we try to be to receive God's favor in our life. And who was in and who was out was, was what much of the religious leadership of Jesus' day was concerned with when it comes to who received God's blessing and who was able to be happy as a result of that. There was inclusion and exclusion based on some things that probably sound pretty familiar to us in our culture. Wealth, social status, and political power. Those were the big three. Those are the big three in just about any culture. And that was what most people based their happiness and their blessing on in Jesus' day. I would argue that's what most people bless their happy, their, you know, what most people base their happiness and blessing feeling in today's day and age as well. Uh, if you didn't have it, if you weren't going after it, speaking of wealth, social status, and political power, you weren't in and you weren't blessed. But this isn't how God operates, and Jesus is going to turn all of that on its head with the very first beatitude. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so we're going to look at this in kind of the outline of what Jesus has to say. Blessed the poor in spirit are the poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven, and what all of this means. William Barclay writes that the Greeks always called the island of Cyprus the happy isle. And what they believe, the blessed isle. They use the same word that Jesus uses here for blessed. They believe that Cyprus was so lovely, so rich, and so fertile of an island that you would never need to go beyond its coastline to find the perfectly happy life. It had it all, great climate, flowers, trees, minerals, and natural resources, that it contained all the stuff needed for perfect happiness. Just, just think about that for a moment, and, and that sounds amazing. But this is often how we, we think about life here, right? So we've got access to everything we could ever possibly want. We've got the best system of government. You know, we're, you know, we're going to win all the gold medals in the Olympics, you know, all, all of those kinds of things. And yet, how many people walk around feeling truly blessed and truly happy? Because so often what happens, and, and I think the Greeks had a, had a good understanding here of what really, you know, being blessed is like. Hey, you've got all your needs provided for, you're in this great situation, this is amazing. But it was all the external things that affect us and, and, and play a part in our lives. Like we look over the past couple of years, you know, and, and, and talk about some specific things and think, man, you know, those things all overshadow those, those blessings. But blessing, blessed, being blessed describes that joy that is untouchable, it's self-contained, it's completely independent of all that's going on in the world around us. And this is why when you're in a leg brace and a neck brace and somebody asks you how you're doing, you could still say, I'm blessed with a smile on your face. Even if you're sick, you're broke, you're isolated or abandoned, everything around you is falling apart, you can still experience God's blessing in your life. And so when Jesus is saying this word, when he's saying blessed are these people, he's saying this is the pathway towards God's happy life, his best for us, even in a way that you would not expect. In fact, it almost never looks like what we would expect but we experience it now, here and now, regardless of what's going on externally in our lives, with a shift in understanding, perspective, and character. 
Because no one expects what Jesus is about to say next. When Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, the people, the crowds there, they're, they're not looking at this and thinking, oh, right, that makes sense. This is exactly what we thought that you were going to say. When we think of poor, we don't equip, typically equate that with happiness or blessing. In the Bible, poverty, not having enough physically, financially, is often associated with dependence on God, however. In fact, I've been to some pretty poor countries. I've been to some uh, pretty destitute places, and I've still seen incredibly big smiles and amazing faith. And Mark Moore writes this. He's, he's a teacher and theologian who wrote The Life of Christ, and, and he writes this in, in talking about blessed are the poor in spirit. Simply put, it is the recognition of our own spiritual bankruptcy. In short, no one, uh, now one can participate in the kingdom who has not recognized their desperate need for God and their own inability to meet that need. Jesus said we must enter as little children. The rich and self-sufficient have a terribly difficult time entering, but the poor, the sinful, the destitute see their need clearly and tend to run to God freely. Poor in spirit is not someone who's lacking in faith in their life, but it refers to those who see their spiritual need. It's the recognition of our need of God to save us in our life. The poor in spirit are those who are oppressed, those who are desperate for justice, those who need grace and mercy. And when Jesus says this to the crowd who's gathered around them, they would have been surprised about this, but they would have been incredibly glad as well, though, because they were the type of people that most of the religious leadership of the day would have really thought to have been outside of God's blessing. They didn't have a whole lot in the terms of wealth. They didn't have a whole lot in terms of social standing. They didn't have any kind of political power in, in the day. But that's not how God defines blessing. Contrast that with the poor in spirit who recognize their own spiritual bankruptcy and with the oppressed who, while they do not have the external markers of success that everybody else is pursuing, everybody else is looking for, everybody, all the society pressures them to achieve, they're genuinely following God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they, they are the blessed ones. Some of you have picked up over, over the years, or maybe just you know, in, the, in the last few minutes, that I'm not really the happy-go-lucky kind of guy. So I don't walk around like, hey, everybody, hey, good to see you. you know, I'm, not, I'm not really like the, the salesman type. I, I, wouldn't do, I wouldn't do very well in a, in a job like that. Some of that is personality, for sure, a- absolutely. And some of, some of you know that about me. I'm, a, I'm an introvert, and so, which means I get hung up too much in my own mind some, sometimes. You know, it's just one of those things that, that, that you deal with. And so that's why you're not like, ah, everything's great all the time, hunky-dory. But some of that is actually intentional. Some of it is in an attempt and I'm not saying like I'm doing a great job of, at it or anything like that, but some of it is a genuine attempt to be steady and consistent regardless of going, what's going on around, around me because of what I know Jesus has done for my soul. Because wh- whether things are going great in my life or it's a Sunday where things are going absolutely terrible, what I hope is being presented throughout any of those circumstances is that God has got it and that Jesus is enough and the Holy Spirit continues to sustain regardless of what else is happening to me outwardly. My inner life isn't controlled by that because of who God is. There's a firm foundation that Jesus offers us throughout the whole of our life and our experiences here in this world. Real happiness isn't a facade that we perpetuate. 
It isn't a fake picture you know, that we put on social media and put hashtag blessed that I don't think anybody does anymore. We do that in different ways, though. It's the state of being we share within God's grace. And that's why the poor in spirit, the people who aren't always going around saying, oh, everything's amazing, everything's perfect in my life. Once I started following Jesus, like I haven't made any mistakes, no more sin, you know, everything's, everything's great, I've got a great job, I keep getting raises and promotions and my family is, is doing incredible and, and all those kinds of things that you know, we look at and we wish maybe that we had because we think that's blessing. That's not what it is at all. It's about who we're with and what God has done for us. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And there's this present tense that Jesus uses. Uh, and, and when he says theirs is the kingdom of heaven, he, he's, talking about, he's talking about everything. He's talking about God's kingdom there when he talks about this. He's talking about the creator, the author, sustainer of life. And he's saying, hey, blessed are the poor in spirit because they have access to anything you could ever want, anything that could ever cause joy or goodness that you could ever desire in life. God's kingdom is all that falls under God's rule and his reign, and that is everything. And there's a sense in which God's kingdom is future. So, you know, kingdom of heaven, so we look forward to that, and that's going to be great. There's also a sense, and Jesus talks about this here and throughout his ministry, that God's kingdom is in the here and now, and that we're meant to experience that blessing now, and it's meant to affect our character, how we live life, how we view other people right now. Heaven fully brought to, to earth. In Matthew chapter 6, which is just the next chapter away within Jesus' Sermon, uh, sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, teaches us to pray like this, and starting in verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we look forward to the fulfillment of the kingdom of heaven, but we're also a part of that fulfillment as we recognize our place as citizens. This is our lives today. This is our eternity today aligning with God's will. And happiness, this blessing, is living within God's divine favor despite being poor in any other place. Despite being poor in relationships or financially or job or our feelings. Happiness is living within God's favor because that's what he offers to us through Jesus. We can only do God's will when we are recognizing our need for his power to sustain our lives. And so this is how this should affect our character. One, uh, being poor in spirit is a continuous attitude, not a singular event in our lives. Jesus isn't just saying, hey, blessed are those who admit their spiritual poverty and repent and then live perfectly and have everything together. If you have figured out how to do that, please let me know so I can share it with the rest of the class. He wasn't saying, we're not going to chuckle at that at all, I guess. All right, that's fine. I, I get it. I understand. He wasn't saying, blessed are those who wear a mask and look like they have everything together. You know, have that happiness facade. Following Jesus is not about becoming less reliant on God to live an externally happy life. That, that, that's not the point. It's about becoming more and more fully reliant on God to live an internally happy life, to recognize how much more and more we need him. So the closer we get to Christ, our spiritual humility should be one of a continuous spirit, not just a one-time event that we did at this, this time, and then we kind of go about our business. As we focus on this becoming and this recognition in our life, we continually trust in Jesus and not in ourselves. You know, there's so many phrases within our culture that are so damaging to us that we don't pick up on because they have a, just a little bit of truth sprinkled into them. You know, one of the phrases that reigns supreme in our culture is he, she was a good person. So that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be a good person. 
There's some truth to that. I mean, God wants us to follow him. He wants us to live righteous, righteous lives. But righteousness on our own and for our own benefit, for, on our own account, I mean, that's, that doesn't really stack up to who God calls us to be. Or maybe, you know, people call us to be on the right side of history. Or people call us to hold the right social and political position. Or, or you know, we trust ourselves to correct all of our problems in our life or to have the right kind of standing among our peers that people look at us the right way, or, or maybe just having it, having it all together. Like th- those are some of the things that seem to reign supreme in, in our culture. A lot of people look at their salvation as something that they have to create you know, them, them, themselves, or create their own happiness or their own blessing. And through the indwelling presence of God's Holy Spirit, you know, absolutely, we should pursue righteousness in our life. We should put to death sin in our heart and our minds. But our salvation is not dependent upon our own righteousness, but it's dependent on Jesus. It's not about what we've earned, but about what he has given. And not what we demand from others, but what God himself has bought himself with a price. And so as we grow in our faith, as we grow in our righteousness, we need to continually trust in what Jesus did for us. Because that's where our hope lies. That's where our happiness lies. And it's where our hope and happiness lies for, for other people. And so I, I just want to I, I ask you to join me this week in memorizing Matthew chapter 5, verse, verse 3. It, it's not going to be difficult at all. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and think about how that impacts your day-to-day life. How often, when somebody asks you how you're doing, how often do you say, I'm blessed? And you don't have to say it just like that. You don't have to tilt your head and smile and, and say it. Um, that's that's, that's how, she, how she said it. But how often do you say, I'm, I'm busy, or this is happening, or we've got this craziness, or oh, let's talk about you know, things that are going on, on in the world. When's the last time somebody said, hey, how are you doing? You said, I'm happy. Life is good because I'm, I'm blessed by God. Even, even the poor in spirit, those who we might not expect, Jesus said, they're blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit because they recognize they need no other option other than Jesus to experience the happiness that God desires for us all. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I just want to challenge you. If somebody asks you this week or the, the, over the coming weeks, hey, how are you doing? Internally, like think about, even if you don't say, I'm blessed. Internally, I want you to think about that response. And whether or not that's actually true is you're trusting in what God has done through Jesus in your life and what that means for the kingdom that you live in today and how you think about your life and how you think about the lives of other people. Let's pray. God, happiness uh, seems to be regularly elusive to, to many of us. And so much of that is because of the distractions that we face in, in life, the circumstances that we find ourselves in, uh, maybe the things that other people are saying or doing, maybe it's the internal struggle that we have within our own hearts and minds. And God, we just ask that you help us to focus on what you have done despite all of that and how that, that overshadows, it, it covers over any other, any other issue that makes us feel poor in spirit, that makes us feel oppressed, that makes us uh, feel as, as though um, just happiness is just not within our grasp, that, y- that you, you have taken care of all of that through Jesus. 
that, that we live in a completely different kingdom. We have a completely different character and perspective as a result of that. And, and God, we, help, we ask that you remind us of what that looks like and who we're called to be as a result of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.